My Cherry Pie, the baking podcast from the Cherry Bomb Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jesse Sheehan. I'm a baker, recipe developer, and author of three baking books, including my latest, Snackable Bakes. Each Saturday, I'm hanging out with the sweetest bakers around and taking a deep dive into their signature bakes. Today's guest is pastry chef and pie specialist, Maya Camille Broussard. Maya is the author of the baking book, Justice of the Pies, Sweet and Savory Pies, Quiches and Tarts, plus inspirational stories from exceptional people. She will be opening a bakery called Justice of the Pies in Chicago very soon, and I can't wait to visit. Maya Camille is a star of Bake Squad on Netflix, so perhaps you've seen her in action, along with Christina Tozzi and the other dessert pros on the show. In just a minute, Maya Camille joins me to discuss her journey, the family member who inspired her career, and the mission behind Justice of the Pies. We'll walk through the recipe for her salted caramel peach pie, which you can find in her book and on cherrybomb.com. And we'll get Maya Camille's top baking tips, tricks, and more. Stay tuned for our conversation. Thank you to Plugra Premium European Style Butter for supporting today's show. You might be new to Plugra Premium European Style Butter, but it's been a favorite in my fridge for some time. Whether I'm baking for fun or for work or developing recipes for my next cookbook, Plugra and its 82% butter fat are essential. The color, soft, creamy texture, and rich flavor it brings to my pie dough cannot be beat. And my chocolate chip cookies, they're chewier and pudgier. The higher butterfat content means less moisture and more fat, which is precisely what you're looking for. Remember, fat equals flavor. Plugra European-style butter is available in different forms for all your baking, cooking, and snacking needs, including salted and unsalted, sticks and solids. I'm partial to unsalted plugra. If you've learned anything listening to She's My Cherry Pie, it's that ingredients matter. The next time you bake, reach for plugra and taste the difference it makes. From professional kitchens to your home kitchen, plugra premium European-style butter is the perfect choice. Ask for Plugra at your favorite supermarket or specialty grocery store. I have some exciting news. She's My Cherry Pie is headed to Dallas. On Tuesday, June 20th, we're hosting a special event at Bird Bakery to celebrate our show and all things baked goods. Join me and Team Cherry Bomb for networking, a panel conversation, and, of course, sweet treats. The event is from 3 to 5, Tickets are $30 and include a copy of the latest Cherry Bomb magazine, plus bites, coffee, and tea. Come meet other Bomb Squad members and learn how bakers, pastry chefs, and entrepreneurs in Dallas are mixing it up and making it happen. Tickets are on sale now at cherrybomb.com or click on the link in our show notes. I hope to see you there. And if there are any Dallas bakers or pastry chefs I should know about, be sure to DM me. Thank you to Plugra Premium European Style Butter for supporting this event. Now let's check in with today's guest. Maya Camille, so excited to have you on She's My Cherry Pie and to talk salted caramel peach pie and so much more with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk all things pie. Yay! <laughs> 
So you are a self-taught pastry chef who also happens to have been a 2022 James Beard Award finalist for Outstanding Baker. You, you learned to bake alongside the pie master, or at least learned something from the pie master about baking. Your dad was Stephen Broussard, criminal defense attorney, do-gooder extraordinaire, obsessed with pie. Just so people have a visual of your dad, can you tell everyone about his apron and about the hat that he wore when he was baking? My dad took himself seriously in all of his hobbies. He was a scuba diving instructor, a master scuba diving instructor. He was a community theater actor. He uh, was fluent in Swahili. He was a pilot and was learning how to fly a plane. He was a wine collector. Most importantly, he was a home chef. When I say he took himself seriously, he took himself a little too seriously. His favorite items in the kitchen, which included tons of accessories. Our drawers were always overflowing with one accessory after another, but his beloved apron was his favorite accessory because, well, before I tell you about the apron, let me explain what my dad looked like. <laughs> we used to call him Uncle Steve because he looked like Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was very tall, 6'4". He was heavy set, but it was mainly in the belly. He had an apron that was too small, and it read that skinny people make bad cuts. But let's take it a step further. He also had a toque. Like, why does this man need a toque? <laughs> he was not a professional chef, but he literally put on a toque every time he stepped in a kitchen. It was annoying. I love that. Annoying, I'm sure, as his daughter, but like hilarious and awesome as just a listener and learner about your dad. You've mentioned that since you were a baby, you've experienced significant hearing loss, which has led to your superpower. Can you tell everyone about your superpower? I, it is believed, largely believed in my family that I lost my hearing when I fell down a flight of stairs at the age of one and I suffered a concussion. Often when you lose one sense, which for me was my sense of hearing, all of that neural information gets snowballed into another sense. And for me, that is my sense of smell and my sense of taste. I also like to thank my sisters as well, but I mean, I'm very intuitive, but I have a crazy nose. It's annoying to me sometimes. It's annoying to people around me, but I have a crazy nose. I smell things five, 10 minutes before anyone else does. It's a blessing and a curse because I can smell and discover all of the good things, but <laughs> when something stinks, <laughs> yeah, that's no fun. You launched your bakery, Justice of the Pies, in 2014. I know it was influenced by your dad, celebrated his love of pies, mm -hmm. and to honor his belief that everyone deserves the opportunity to reform their lives, specializing in sweet and savory pies, quiches, and tarts. Mm -hmm. You've said that Justice of the Pies considers itself to be a social mission in a culinary art form. Mm -hmm. Can you unpack that a little for us? Sure. So I often think about what brings you joy. When you are in a line of work that breaks your body down, that is very hard to maintain over a very long period of time, you have to find the place of joy. And for me, that sense of accomplishment and joy comes from seeing how my work 
affects other people or how I'm able to pour into someone else in the same way that people throughout my life have poured into me. The way that I pour into others has to do with the way that I grew up around food or experienced food and some of the not-so-pretty elements of my food history with my family, with my dad, and I really wanted to focus on teaching young kids who reside in lower-income communities that are affected by food apartheid. I wanted to be able to provide them with basic kitchen skills. It doesn't mean that they're going to be the next greatest chef, but it means that they're in the fifth or sixth grade, they can come home and make a meal, a simple meal for themselves that is nutritional, but also make something sweet. I always tell the kids, like, yeah, I want you to eat well, but I also want you to enjoy the sweet things of life in moderation. And if you're going to eat something sweet, don't let it be over-processed or some packaged good. Let it be fresh ingredients made from scratch so that we know what's going into our food. And when you make something, you appreciate it more and you're less likely to eat more. That's one element in which I give back. And that is largely due to my dad growing up with a lot of food insecurities, growing up in the projects on the west side of Chicago, how that trauma was passed on down to me, the way that he ate, the way that he fed me, <laughs> the way that he viewed food really affected me in an impactful way that was not necessarily a positive impact. But I am grateful for the way that I experienced those things because it led me to my life's path. It's like his legacy, even if in the moment, not everything that was going on was positive, what an incredible legacy he gave you because of how it inspires you now to help all these kids, and you were once one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about Bake Squad mm -hmm. on Netflix. If you could tell us a teeny bit about the show, and then I've watched the Bar Mitzvah episode mm -hmm. in which you won. If you could tell us a little bit about what you made for that episode. So Bake Squad is a baking competition, but it's not your typical baking competition because it's not cutthroat. It's fun. It's very inclusive. There's a certain camaraderie that all of us have. It's a feel-good show. And basically, we are introduced to someone who is activating or throwing a party or event or celebrating a special occasion, and they're looking for a dessert to choose for that occasion. So we come up with the ideas and we bake whatever it is that we come up with, present it to the guests, and they choose. And they usually have a really hard time choosing because they have such great options, four great options in front of them. We have Christoph who specializes in sugar work. We have Ashley who specializes in cake sculpting. Gonzo specializes in chocolate work. And I specialize in interesting, unorthodox flavor combinations. I kind of feel like I'm lucky because <laughs> I can do it all. And if I'm making cake, the Ashley's like, wait a minute. <laughs> if I'm working with chocolate, Gonzo's like, wait a minute. And I'm like, hey, I can do it all. So for the Bar Mitzvah episode, that was really fun because I imagine what would, what kind of party would I would have wanted when I was turning, what is it, 13? He really loved cars, and I just wanted, you know what? I just finished watching the Formula One series on Netflix. 
I cannot remember the name of the show, but it follows like all of the Formula One drivers. And I've never been into it, but I love documentaries and follow dots. I heard that show was amazing. I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. And again, I love follow dots because I like experiencing something that I'm previously might have been ignorant about. And so it was very fascinating, and I fell in love with the show. So when the mother said that her son was really into cars, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. That's amazing. Can you tell us what you did? I loved it. Sure. So I called it Josh's Refueling Station, but I wanted it to look like a pit stop at a Formula One race car event. And I made a cake that looked like a tire. So we had actual tires that... And then one of the tires was a cake, and I wanted it to blend in with the actual tires that were not edible. And then we sort of had almost a workman's bench, and I made wrenches out of hard candy. So it was like a Jolly Rancher type of candy. We had donuts, and Josh loves everything chocolate, everything junk food. So I just wanted it to be an explosion of everything that he loved. I think that when people watch Space Squad, they assume that every single bake is going to be gigantic, like one gigantic sculptural element. But for me, I love little things, a bunch of little things. I love a person being able to take something and having their own personal item to eat. But by doing a lot of little things, I could also have multiple types of desserts that I am displaying. So that was really fun to do. We'll be right back. If you love She's My Cherry Pie, I have something else I think you'll love. It's Cherry Bomb Magazine, and it's the most beautiful food magazine out there. Cherry Bomb features women and culinary creatives in and around the worlds of food, drink, hospitality, and baking, of course. Each issue is thick and gorgeous and printed on lush paper. There are features, profiles, full-page photos, and recipes you'll want to make. Cherry Bomb Magazine is printed in Rhode Island at an independent, family-owned printing press, and they do work for the top artists and art galleries around the world, so you know every issue of Cherry Bomb is top-notch. Subscribe now and receive four issues of Cherry Bomb, one each season, delivered direct to your door. To learn more, visit cherrybomb.com backslash subscribe. Now back to our guest. All right. Now we're on to the salted caramel peach pie. We're going to talk about the ingredients and the tools and the assembly. You write that this is a great starter pie, I think partly because it has no crust, which I won't lie. Even as a professional baker, I love a pie that does not have two crusts. Oh, yeah. Open face pies. Yes, I love that. And I also think this pie is a great starter pie because it's a super simple filling And there's no par baking of the crust. Mm -hmm. So you just make your crust, chill it, and fill it, which I love. I know the pie was inspired by your mom's peach cobbler. Can you tell us a little bit about that peach cobbler? So my mom really doesn't cook or bake much, but that is her one staple dish that she can make and that people request, and that is her peach cobbler. Everyone thinks, oh, my mom makes the best peach cobbler. But one thing that she does is she pre-cooks the peaches in the sugar, the butter, and the spices, where some people might just cobble everything together and 
put it in the baking dish. And I think that pre-cooking it really allows the sweetness and the warmth of the spices to be fully infused into the peaches and to create that syrup. You know, that that's what we love. We love the sweet brown sugar syrup that oozes from the peach cobbler. Cobbler is something that is cobbled together, so it's not necessarily pretty. Although I love my mom's peach cobbler, I wanted to create something that was pretty and that would give me a nice clean slice. I think also in the head note of this recipe, you write about measuring ingredients by Mm. eye and cooking by vibration. Mm -hmm. Can you just tell the listeners about by eye and Mm -hmm. cooking by vibration? The only thing that I knew the measurement of when my mom made her peach cobbler was how many cans of peaches she used. Everything else was measured <laughs> by eye, by vibration, listen, just shaking cinnamon into the pot until the ancestors tell you to stop. Or as my mom says, eyeballing it. <laughs> I think that's so funny, eyeball. Like, yeah. well, what am I looking for? <laughs> <laughs> What's my eyeball supposed to do? <laughs> what is my eyeball supposed to do? <laughs> I know that a part of that is tasting as you go along, which is something that you typically don't do in baking. That's a culinary aspect to taste and adjust as you are cooking. But when you're baking, you only get one chance once you develop your recipe. So with the salted caramel peach pie, I wanted to make sure I got correct measurements and that I was able to pull all of the aromas and flavors that are in a peach cobbler and make it nice and neat. (laughs) So first we'll talk about the all-butter pie dough. The first thing you do is you chill the water. You put Mm -hmm. ice cubes in Mm -hmm. some water, and then you also chill the cubed butter Mm -hmm. by kind of cubing it, Mm -hmm. putting it on a parchment-lined baking sheet, and slide it into the freezer, Mm -hmm. which I love. And then the second thing we do is we grab a large bowl. Do you like to use like a big glass Pyrex bowl, or do you like metal bowls, or do you sort of grab Uh, what you have? I have both, but I do, you know, if I'm making a video, I use a translucent glass bowl, or if I'm teaching a class, I use that so that people can see the texture. You know, if I'm just working in the kitchen, I'll just use a metal bowl. And you're going to whisk together some of your dry ingredients. Do you have a favorite whisk that you like to use? You know, I don't make, and this is what was really interesting about writing the book, is everything I do in such large batches. I'm making pies out of a commercial kitchen, and so I had to translate everything to a home kitchen. I rarely bake at home because after standing up for 14, 16 hours, all I do is make myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and plop on the couch and rub my doll's belly. But (laughs) when I am in my commercial kitchen, I just use like a whisk attachment for a 30-quart or 60-quart Hobart mixer. Yep, makes sense. So you're going to whisk together some flour. Do you Mm -hmm. have a favorite brand of flour? I like using, of course, high-protein flour. King Arthur is a great brand. We also use Sarasota. But yeah, I think that works. And I do think that most important, it has to be unbleached. The brand of any ingredient that you're working with really matters in terms of the quality of your pie. If someone sends me a DM or email to say, I made this pie and it looks nothing like, you know, the picture in your book, sometimes it's the ingredient, the brand. People don't often realize that. When Thanksgiving, my flour was not available and I had to use the only flour that was available was bleach. 
I was devastated. It was the worst Thanksgiving ever, and I was trying to make it work, but that flour was the worst. What was different about using the bleached versus the unbleached? What did you notice? Well, first of all, working with it, <laughs> the bleached flour tears my hands up, tears it up. But the quality of the way the crust holds up is not the same. I get it. So we have our flour, mm -hmm. high protein. We have our bowl, our whisk. There's a teeny bit of sugar in the pie dough, which mm -hmm. I think it's the same pie dough for savory quiche. Mm -hmm. So the sugar is probably there more for like a little color and a little flavor, but not to taste sweet. Is that right? Right. I do not make sweet crust. I know that people have a sweet crust recipe and a savory recipe for their crust, but I like having a good amount of salt content in my sweet pies and in my savory pies. So I use a savory crust for both, yes. whether it's a sweet pie or a savory pie. Yeah, there's kosher salt in the pie. And then now we take the chilled butter out of the freezer, add it to the flour mixture. Your preference is for people to use their hands, mm -hmm. to use a pastry cutter or a fork. Is there a brand of pastry cutter that you like or a style of pastry cutter? I really do like using Osco brand of just tools in general. Very sturdy, very easy to clean, so... Yeah, I like that too. And they have they they think of the comfort of the handles, and so I like that too. I think so too. Yeah, it's not uncomfortable. Mm -mm. I have like an old fashioned pastry cutter. Mm. I can't remember where I got it, but it literally hurts your hand <laughs> to hold it. <laughs> so you're using a pastry cutter or a fork, though you can use a food processor or a stand mixer if you mm -hmm. have to. But the most important thing is that oh, and I love this that you wrote. With most things that require your hands, practice is on the road to a place called perfection. Mm -hmm. Could you also, if you weren't going to use the pastry cutter or a fork, could you just get in there with your fingers? Yeah, I actually think that's the best way. Okay. Because you're not going to naturally overwork the butter, but also the warmth of your hands is going to naturally sort of melt the butter a little bit. Even though we want to make the crust with very cold butter, when the warmth of your hands slightly melts the butter, it helps to melt that butter and flour together. So the butter, I feel like, is better coated with flour. And then as you're feeling it instinctively when something is just the right size. Right. And the size is about a half an inch, no larger than a pea. Mm -hmm. Next, you add your about a quarter cup of the ice water into the flour and the butter. And now we're using our hands to kind of gently work those, the wet and the dry together. Mm -hmm. What are we doing with our hands? Are we kind of pinching? Are we tossing? What's the first thing we should do when we mix those ingredients if we're using so our I hands? So I almost use my hand like a spoon at first, scooping it around the bowl. But if I am working like in, with a missing bowl, oftentimes the dry ingredients get stuck and hide on the bottom. And so I am I start out by scooping my hand in a circular motion, but then I'm also turning the ball that begins to form in the center. I'm turning it and I'm trying to scoop up the dry ingredients at the same time that I'm turning it to make sure that gets incorporated with the slightly sticky wet ball that's forming in the center. Now you're going to flour your work surface, knead the dough a little bit, mm -hmm. shape it into a disc, wrap it, refrigerate for an hour, mm -hmm. up to three days. Well, one thing I want to mention is when I create that disc and before I wrap it, I want to make sure that there are no open seams in the crust because if dry flour gets in those seams, then when you try to roll it out, your disc is going to crack as it widens. 
That's such a good mm -hmm. tip. Mm -hmm. I did not even know that. So when you're massaging it and turning mm -hmm. it into a disc, you're making sure that there are no big cracks, right. no fissures. And sometimes it's easier to do that once you put clean wrap on it. So ah. put the clean wrap on it and then massage the disc into a round, more perfect disc, but also look for the seams and just press it together because that clean wrap is providing all that moisture. It's going to trap it in and your pie crust won't split. You're going to refrigerate and then preheat your oven to 350. And now I love this. Before you pull out that disc to roll it out, you're going to chill your countertop. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Can you tell the listeners how you chill your countertop? So you could place a, a very large bowl of ice and water onto your countertop. And this is really great if you're working with like granite or a marble countertop because it's going to chill and hold that coldness longer. But also the reason why we chill the countertop is because when I pull that disc from the fridge, if it's too hard, it's going to be very hard to roll out. So I, again, start to massage that disc to sort of bring it just right under room temperature but I don't want something to be too warm and too sticky. So if I've warmed up the chilled disc with my hands, I now have a cool countertop to work with so that it's not just a hot mess, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And so then you lightly, well, first you dry the counter in case mm -hmm. it got a little condensation from the bowl of mm -hmm. ice and water. Dry the countertop, lightly flour it, and start rolling out your dough, rolling away from your body, mm -hmm. kind of moving the dough to form a circle as you mm -hmm. work. And then it's about a 12-inch mm -hmm. round. You're going to... Or one inch. So if you put your baking dish over the crust, just make sure you have one inch room, a one inch border outside if you're a baking dish, because maybe you don't have a nine inch pie plate at home. Maybe you only have this casserole dish that you're working with. And maybe your crust is not a circle, but it's a square, <laughs> a rectangle. Also, maybe you don't have a ruler in your kitchen, so right. you don't even know what 12 inches is. Right. <laughs> so that's a great tip, mm -hmm. is if you put your pie plate down, mm -hmm. you'll know exactly how big. Eyeball. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I listened to a podcast that you did with Al Roker, and I think you talked about your favorite pie plate, correct? You Because Maybe you were talking about glass versus aluminum, mm -hmm. but you said you like to use aluminum. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us why aluminum over glass? Um, better heat conduction. Glass, even though it's pretty and you can see, you know, your goods baking, it's cute. A aluminum pie plate is best for heat conduction. We want that nice, sturdy, as Aaron McDowell likes to say, sturdy crust, a nice, sturdy, crispy, buttery, well-browned crust. And so we, we put our dough circle into our pie plate, we crimp our edges, and then we place that in the refrigerator just while we're assembling the mm -hmm. filling. I already said this, but I love that you do not need to par-bake the crust. Mm -hmm. It's just easy-peasy, which is what I love. Mm -hmm. So the filling, as you describe it, it's almost like a spongy, cake-like texture. In a large bowl, you're going to whisk some melted butter, an egg, some granulated and some brown sugar, kosher salt, vanilla. Do you have a favorite brand of vanilla? Uh, Nielsen's. Yeah. And they're, I mean, I'm partial because they're based out of like the Chicago area. So, but it's great. It's so good. I love it too. And then you add some cinnamon and mm -hmm. some nutmeg. And do you have a favorite spice brand? Burlap and Barrel makes a really great cinnamon. That cinnamon is so good. And it makes a difference. Like you can tell. Yeah. You really can. Mm -hmm. 
So then you're going to whisk up all of these ingredients in your bowl, and you're going to now use a silicone spatula. Do you have a favorite brand of silicone spatula? Oh, I have so many silicone spatulas. I have 25, <laughs> and that's like the one kitchen tool that I'm obsessed with, and I use OSCO. So you got your OXO silicone spatula, or you said you can use a large spoon. Would that just be like a big wooden spoon? Mm -hmm. And you're going to stir in flour and also oats, mm -hmm. which must add a really nice kind of toothsome texture. This is a very unpopular opinion, but I love oatmeal raisin cookies. <laughs> I know people like, ew, you know, I got tricked into thinking of a chocolate chip, but I love oatmeal. Mm. I do. Yum. Mm -hmm. Is there a favorite brand of oatmeal, of rolled oats that you would use in this pie? In the kitchen, we honestly just use Quaker Oats, but that is a really good question. I do like Trader Joe's brands, and mm -hmm. I like that they have so many different options for oatmeal. Mm -hmm. Yum. Now we're going to fold in canned, drained, sliced peaches. And I love that this pie calls for canned peaches. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's unusual. And I wonder if you've ever tried it with fresh peaches, if it would work with fresh peaches. First of all, I love the way canned peaches taste. But I also <laughs> love things in the kitchen and things in the baking world that make it just a little easier and more accessible for mm -hmm. people that might be intimidated by mm -hmm. buying a dozen peaches and having to take the skins off and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Have you ever tried? I mean, I look, when it comes to Thanksgiving, I want my cranberry sauce in a can, okay? I am not afraid of anything canned. I know that some chefs will say it's not chefy enough or it's a shortcut. There's nothing wrong with a shortcut every now and then. The reason why I use canned peaches is because that syrup that the peaches have been sitting in helps to loosen the batter that we're using for the pie filling, and that's very important. I think frozen peaches, you will almost have to pre-cook the peaches and make your own syrup. Yes. But who really wants to do that? You just want to hurry up and eat this pie. So That's using canned peaches is the way to go. And don't be afraid, even though this is salted caramel peach pie, don't be afraid to make this a peach and pear pie as yeah. well. I love that. And I agree. So now we folded in our canned peaches. We placed the pie plate on a baking sheet. Is there a favorite kind of baking sheet? Do you like the ones with the sides around the edges? And is there a brand you like? No, I just use aluminum, like yep. aluminum foil, handy foil. Yep. <laughs> and there's a reason why. It's because whenever you're slicing pie, getting that first slice out is the hardest. But even if you use like a ceramic baking dish, it's so hard. It's like, okay, I don't, I want it to look pretty, but it's so difficult to get this pie slicer in there. So with an aluminum pie plate, I pop out the crust. Oh, uh, that's great. Out of the whole entire plate and yes. then set that down on the cutting board and just cut it like that. That's great. I also was going to say, I think it was Claire Saffitz who was on the podcast, and she told me a great trick mm -hmm. that she learned from Martha Stewart. You take your pie, you cut the first slice, mm -hmm. but don't take it out. Then you cut the second slice, mm -hmm. and then it's easier to pull out the first slice. Mm. And I tried it, and she's not wrong. Mm. I wouldn't say it worked out perfectly, but it was a pretty good <laughs> tip. That's why you love your aluminum pans. Mm -hmm. What about when you take the pie plate, and I think you have us put it on a baking sheet? Mm -hmm. Is that to stop the pie from dripping into your oven? Yes. Yep. But for this pie, I don't typically have to do that. Okay. In, in all of the recipes, I suggest that you do that so that it's easier to take in and out of the oven without having to touch the pie. But the filling is not, it's not loose, so oh, I don't course. 
have any worries about any spillage in the oven. Let's say if it's a quiche, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I get nervous. So put that on a baking sheet for sure. And is there a favorite brand of baking sheet? I love Great Jones. Oh, they have such fun colors. It's like you get so addicted to the colors and, oh, you just came out with a new one. I got to get that one. But I like Caraway as well. Maiden is a good brand. You know, there's so many great brands out there. So we place it in the oven. When it's time to take out the pie, you use a cake tester Mm -hmm. to test it. You say cake tester or toothpick. I really love long wooden skewers. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite Mm -hmm. way to test a pie or a cake? Whatever I have in front of me. (laughs) So sometimes that's a butter knife. (laughs) Nobody's going to notice the cut. (laughs) And then when you you know it's done, when whatever the cake tester has come out clean, Mm -hmm. you don't want a moist crumb or anything like that on the tester. You want it to be clean? Yes, because you do want it to be cooked all the way through. I know that in my kitchen, some of my assistants have overfilled some of the pie pans. The top would be done, but the center is still a little raw. And when I tell people, like, I'm measuring each pie, like, we weigh each pie when we fill it because it makes a difference in how it's baked. I'm not trying to be stingy with how much I give someone. You're going to get a wet pie if I don't measure it out. So avoid that temptation to make this pie really deep. This is not like a cookie where you want it to be under-baked or slightly under-baked. You do want this to be baked all the way through. I love the way a deep dish pie looks, Mm -hmm. but the problem is the top burns Mm -hmm. before the center is cooked through, Mm -hmm. and I always do better when I'm making just an 8-inch or 9-inch, well, usually 9-inch pie with a regular crust Mm -hmm. because then it's still, as we all know, it takes a long time to bake a pie. I think this one is an hour and 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. but it will be done, and the top will be beautiful, and the Mm -hmm. middle will be cooked, and you don't have to worry. So while the pie is baking, we make the salted caramel sauce. Mm -hmm. First, you have a small saucepan. Mm -hmm. Do you like to use metal? Do you like to use a Dutch oven to make the caramel in? I primarily use a Dutch oven with um, my Pauline sauce because I don't have to babysit it in a way that I have to babysit caramel. But when you're caramelizing anything, whether it's onions or whether you're making caramel from scratch, I do think that a metal saucer works best because you're going to get that caramelization. You're going to get that burning that you need and the color that you need. Yes. So you're going to put some heavy cream into a little pot and Mm -hmm. warm it up. Mm -hmm. And I assume you do that first so that when you add the heavy cream later, Mm -hmm. it doesn't explode. and violently hiss. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Then we take a medium saucepan and over medium high heat, we're going to caramelize some sugar, stirring with a silicone spatula until the sugar turns a deep amber color. I'm impressed that you don't use any water Mm -hmm. because I usually use water because it just is a little safer for me. Mm -hmm. I'm always worried that I'll burn the sugar if I don't add some water. I've tried both techniques and the water just doesn't give me, it tastes longer. It tastes longer, and I got things to do. <laughs> I feel the same way because mm-hmm. I like things to move quickly, for better or for worse. And it, it is true. When you add the water, it mm-hmm. slows down the caramelization mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. and it's a little more tedious. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to add butter to the caramelized sugar, and I love that you use the word hissing to describe that. I think that's a very evocative description of what it sounds like and what it is. And then you whisk mm-hmm. until the butter melts. Remove from the heat, pour in the cream until the caramel is well blended. You're whisking. 
and then vanilla and salt. Mm-hmm. And then you're done. And then you're done. <laughs> and I know you like to serve the pie a little bit warm. Yes. Do you like to have the caramel sauce yes. a little bit warm yes. too? This is one of the pies in the book that I definitely say, even if it's two days old, wrap it in some foil and pop it in the oven for 20 minutes. This is the pie that is best served warm. I love that. And also, can I put vanilla ice cream on it? Oh, why not? <laughs> or butter pecan or, no, or rum even, raisin. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Even whipped cream. Oh, yeah. Actually, I won't lie. I like both. I want ice cream and cream on well, my pie. Well, in the cookbook, I have a vanilla chantilly cream. So, yeah, yeah nice, silky, smooth, yes. you know, alternative to whipped cream. So you can use that on your pie. So yummy. And the caramel sauce I love because... Sometimes, so I have a recipe for billowy biscuits, and sometimes I want to put something savory between the biscuits. Sometimes I want something sweet. If I don't have syrup, then I can use the caramel sauce. <laughs> That's We actually do that in our kitchen. If we have a little biscuit ends, you know, that don't quite make a whole biscuit, we'll just pop that in, and we'll have that as a snack in the kitchen, and we'll just put some caramel sauce on it. It's so good. It sounds <laughs> delicious. I would probably want ice cream and whipped cream with that, too. <laughs> I'd probably take the biscuit, fill it with ice cream, and then cover it in caramel sauce. Mm, I like that. Right? So good. I just wanted to mention a couple of other recipes mm. that I loved from the book. The blue cheese, and I'm going to say it the way I think you say it, because I usually say praline, but I'm mm. going to say blue cheese praline. Yes, praline. Pear, <laughs> pear pie. Can you mm. describe that? pie for us? I am a huge proponent of sweet and salty, and I love the funkiness of blue cheese. And the poly sauce is actually not that sweet. It has a nuttiness to it, but the pear filling is sweet. When people hear me say blue cheese Pauline pear pie, they turn up their nose. The people who are adventurous and daring will say, oh, I would like to try that. When I first debuted this pie, I think it was in 2015, Everyone turned their nose up on it, and then they ate it, and they said, oh, my gosh, this is my favorite pie. Out of my friendship circle, that's their favorite pie, that or key lime. Now, when I'm trying to sell it, back in the days when I had to actually sell my pie verbally and convince the customer to buy it, I would say it tastes like a payday bar, a payday candy bar, that sweet and saltiness. And I say, you don't even taste the blue cheese. You just you get a little hit of that funk, but it's not like you're eating hot wings with blue cheese. You know, it's not like I'm telling you guys to eat this with ranch dressing. But it, it adds a nice little bit of balance to the sweetness because the filling, the pear filling is really sweet with the brown sugar. And then it has a crumpled topping that also has brown sugar and butter in it. But that's a lot of sweetness going on. So to balance that out, the nuttiness of the praline sauce and the funkiness of the blue cheese mellows it out really nicely. I think it's one of my best sellers when I sell it. It reminds me of like, you know how you'll have a salad in a restaurant that mm-hmm. has like pears, gorgonzola, mm-hmm. and nuts. And it's like all of those And dried cranberries yes. and all of that. Yeah, totally. So. It's like that mm-hmm. in a pie. I love that. 
because I'm a chocolate peanut butter fanatic, mm. I love the chocolate peanut butter and pretzel tart. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that pie? I do love, I love peanut, I love Reese's peanut butter cup. That's my favorite candy. Yes. So I used to bite off the edges and spit it out because it was too thick of a chocolate. I just wanted like the peanut butter with a thin layer of encased chocolate. So I thought about that with the pie. But also, there's a restaurant in Chicago called Banco Room, and they make pretzel pancakes. Oh, my gosh. So good. So good. And they serve it with white chocolate and caramel sauce. So good. Like bits of pretzel bits in the pancake, but also the pancake batter is pretzel bread. Consistency is so good. I am always inspired by the work that other people do. And it's not a copy, but it's just rather it's just taking like they serve it with white chocolate. But this is clearly dark and milk chocolate. I'm always inspired by the type of ingredients they're using. And I think about how can I remix it like a 90s song? (laughs) I also think pretzels are like an underrated baking ingredient. Like I love like a pretzel crust Mm. for a pie where instead of using cookies, you use Mm. pretzels. It's really hard because of the graininess of the pretzel crumbs. But if you can pull it off, it's so good. It's so good. In my last cookbook, I have a recipe for fudge that has potato chips and pretzels Mm. in it because I like what you are describing. I loved and I love chocolate and pretzels. I also just wanted to shout out your whoopie pies Mm -hmm. because, first of all, I'm a, like, whoopie pie lover from way back. And I also love, I think I I heard you say in a podcast that you put the whoopie pies in the book so that kids Mm -hmm. who might be reading your book, maybe some of the ones who you work with and who take classes with you, can actually access the book without a mom or dad. Mm -hmm. Or at least they're able to make something that's not quite as complicated Mm -hmm. or as labor intensive Mm -hmm. as a pie. One thing I knew that I wanted to do when I set out to write the book is also have varying degrees of difficulty. And not just for kids, but for some adults who may be intimidated by the idea that, okay, this is a multi-step process in which I have to make the crust. I have to chill the crust. I got to pull it out. I got to roll it. Then I got to make the filler. And then I got, you know, hey, you want a quick snack? I got whoopie pies for you. And it only takes 12 to 15 minutes to bake. You know, you get that instant gratification because I do know we live in a microwave society and that we like to have things quickly done or what have you. So pie is one of the complicated art forms of baking because there are so many steps and it takes time. But I wanted to offer something that could be done rather quickly and you could get that instant gratification. I also love that the whoopie pie recipes don't call for a stand mixer. Mm. Often people will require a piece of equipment when you make Mm. a whoopie pie and you just have, you take that softened butter and you're just creaming it in a bowl Mm. with a spatula and I love you for that. It's easy. Yes, easy peasy. So your bakery has been operating as a satellite bakery for all these years, but I think you have some news and something coming in June. Yes, after eight years of working in a 125 square foot kitchen, I am now moving into my own 3,800-square-foot space. Amazing. Um, yeah, Justice of the Pies is getting its own storefront bakery that will be opening this summer. That is amazing. I can't wait to come and visit you, and I hope all of the listeners are going to come <laughs> with me. <laughs> and it won't be just pies, but it will also be desserts that I consider to be nostalgic desserts from my childhood, so I'm really excited about that. Oh, my gosh. I love nostalgic desserts. Yum. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Maya Camille, and I just want you to know that you are my cherry pie. 
Aw, and you are my cutie pie. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That's it for today's show. Thank you to Plugra Premium European Style Butter for their support. Don't forget to subscribe to She's My Cherry Pie on your favorite podcast platform. And tell your baking buddies about us. She's My Cherry Pie is a production of the Cherry Bomb Podcast Network and is recorded at CityVox Studio in Manhattan. Our producers are Carrie Diamond and Catherine Baker, and our associate producer is Jenna Sadu. Thank you so much for listening to She's My Cherry Pie, and happy baking! <laughs>